So, how do I preach now? Where's Nina? Where's Nina? Nina's somewhere here. Stand up, Nina. Woo! And where's Dan? Dan's here too. Stand up, Dan. There's the man. Yeah. Good stuff. I want a rematch right now. Man, can we just pretty much agree that we've lived life now? I mean, how does it get any better? You just watched Andrew's grandma beat a 317-pound weightlifter in an arm wrestle. It doesn't get any better. You can just go see Jesus now. I'm telling you, right? Incredible, incredible stuff. That was awesome. So we've been talking in this series about this idea of overcoming, and there's lots of things in life to overcome. There's lots of struggles that people have, and we've been talking specifically about our sin struggles and how sometimes we feel like a little Nina wrestling Dan, the glory hound Eugene in a match, and it seems like there's no way we'll be able to overcome. It seems like sin is way too big, and we're just so small, and we have no chance. But what we've been seeing here in this series is that with God, there is this amazing victory that we can have. People in the world are looking for all kinds of ways to overcome. People are always trying to figure out something new to turn to, to figure out what's going to help me. What can I turn to in life to help me get past this or get past that? And one that I didn't see coming as I was doing research for this message was actually the air guitar. Uh, Believe it or not, the air guitar is bringing people hope. This is incredible. In 1996, there was a festival, and at this festival, they decided, hey, it might be fun to do a side stage of air guitar shows. And so they started this thing up. Next thing they knew, it blew up, and now they have air guitar world championships. Here's a picture of one dude just going for it. Look at that picture. He is going for it with that air guitar. And what they do is, is they gather all around the world, and they fill these big stadiums with these guys who have no guitars in their hands and they play to these tracks and all these people come around and they watch these shows and they have a blast doing it. But what I loved about this was Rolling Stone magazine says this, according to air guitar ideology, wars will end, climate change stops and all bad things disappear if all the people in the world play the air guitar. Now, I have to tell you, I'm a very excellent air guitarist and I realized after seeing this that I've got to chase my dream. And so it's been fun being your pastor for a few months, but I'm out, okay? I got to go do my thing. No, I just think that this just shows us something really powerful. You know what it shows us? People are really desperate for answers. People are desperate for hope. What's going to work? What's going to help me get past the problems that I have and the struggles that I have? People are looking in some pretty crazy places. But what we've been seeing here in this series is that God is the answer. He's the one that helps us to overcome our sin struggles. He's the one that can point us in the right direction and strengthen us in ways that we just simply can't strengthen ourselves. And the verse that we've been looking at is in 1 John 5 verse 4, and it says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And like we talked about in the first two parts of this series, that means that if you and I have a relationship with Jesus, we can overcome the temptation in our life. We don't get it perfectly. We don't get it right. As followers of Jesus, sometimes we still fall short of that. But we can overcome. We can do the right thing as God now is strengthening and enabling us. And I know that seems sometimes like it's hard to believe about yourself because we're so used to struggling and and we more feel like we're overcome than we are overcomers. But the truth that we've been looking at is in scripture, we see all different strategies that God gives us to help us to overcome. So let me just remind you where we've been in the first three parts and we're gonna jump into our last part here today and wrap up the series. And tonight's a different night. We're gonna end things differently. It's gonna have a different feel to it. And I I think it all lines up with where, where we're headed tonight. So in the in the weeks we started in week one talking about the fact that our mindset is a huge deal. What we think about 
drives how we live, right? And so we said when we set our mind on godly things, we live in godly ways. So important. Then in week two, we talked about our identity, that God's given us the identity of an overcomer, that we don't have to just kind of squeak by. But man, no, God's given us an identity that says, no, you can overcome by my strength. And then last week, we talked about the importance of God's word, and we saw that overcomers speak God's word. Now tonight, I want to talk with you about one last strategy that we see in the Bible. And I think it's the best one. I think it's the way everything comes together. If you don't do the one tonight, then you probably aren't gonna do the ones we talked about in the last three weeks. This is really the foundation and the most important of them all. And I really think it's the most joyful and it's the most exciting. And it's honestly, I think the easiest of them all. And so I just wanna wrap up this series in this really practical way with you and I. And, and, and the problem that I want to address tonight is that when you and I struggle with sin and temptation, we often run from God instead of run to God. It's so often when you and I feel tempted for whatever reason, and actually I'm going to list a few reasons in a minute, we tend to run from God instead of to him. We, st- we tend to take off. We tend not to look to him. We tend not to think, oh, I'm struggling right now. I should run to God for strength and ability that's not my own. No, you and I, we tend to run in the opposite direction. And that really short circuits us. And the region, region <laughs> it short circuits us, say that 10 times fast, is because God being close to him, being near him is our best resource to overcome our sin. What I want to convince you of today is the best way you and I overcome our sin struggles is to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can be. Now, the reason we don't naturally do that and we kind of on default mode run is because we believe about a bunch of things about God that just aren't true, right? We believe a bunch of things about God and the way that he views us that just simply aren't true. But those things cause us to run away from God instead of to him. I'll just give you some examples. Sometimes I think we think God's angry at us. So we don't run to him because we think he's angry, right? You've had that perspective of God, I'm sure, once in a while. Maybe some of you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's why you haven't been in church in a really long time because you just think God's angry at you. When I was in college, I had a friend and she told me that every time her and her mother had a disagreement and they got into an argument, the mother would say, I love you, but I don't like you very much right now, okay? And I think a lot of us view God like that. Like we just view God like, all right, he probably still loves me. He probably gave me a second shot, but I just feel like he doesn't really want me around right now. I feel like he probably doesn't like me too much at the moment. Another thing, I think sometimes we think God's gonna say, I told you so. I gotta be honest, I say I told you so to my kids. Usually, I'm just teasing them. Um, like, we'll go, we'll be heading out to the ball field and I'll say to my kids, you know what, we're going, it's, it's getting colder, like, throw on a coat. No, dad, dad, no, 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 no coat, no coat, you know? And so we have the whole discussion and then we compromise at sweatshirts and I'm all bundled up. I hate the cold, so I'm all bundled up. I got, like, hats and gloves and everything going and I'm at the park and I'm good, I'm happy and my kids are, like, icicles, you know? And so usually Brynn will start to complain about how cold she is and I lay it on thick. I, oh, man, you know? That's really funny you say that because there was somebody earlier today, if I could just remember who that was, that was trying to say, you should bring some more clothes. I think it may have been that good looking bald man you were talking to earlier today. I think that was him. And I just laid it on real thick. But thankfully, guys, God's a better dad than me. And when you and I struggle and we come back to him, he doesn't say, I told you so. And he doesn't lay on the sarcasm. Another thing, I think we think God can't relate to our struggles. 
Why would I go to God? He can't relate to my struggles. Like I said last week, we often view God. He's just safe. He's happy in heaven. He's got angels all around him playing the harp, you know, and massaging his feet. And he's up there in his safe realm. And here we are down here, miserable, tempted, falling short. What does he know about what I'm going through? How can I turn to him if he can't relate to the the day-to-day struggle of physical human life? Some of us just think God can't help us because we've prayed before And it felt like he didn't answer. And so why would I look to him again? And so we run for all these reasons. Lastly, we think God views us as being unworthy to help. You know, it's like we just imagine God's just sitting there shaking his head at us all the time. You know, maybe we had an earthly dad like that or or a coach or a teacher or someone or a boss. And all he did was just shake their head in disappointment at us. And we think that's exactly what God does when you and I struggle. And the truth is, the reason that this is so important for us to talk about is because as long as you and I run away from God instead of to him, we will stay stuck in our sin. We won't overcome. We will stay stuck as long as we keep running away. And like I said before, really what we're talking about here today, being as near to Jesus as possible, really is what it all comes down to. Because I'll tell you what, if you're not willing to do this one, then you're probably not going to be worry too much about whether your mind is set on godly things like we talked about in week one. You're probably not really going to be thinking too much about the identity God's given you as an overcomer and you're probably not going to be speaking God's word too much. If you and I don't say, okay, first and foremost, I want to be as close to Jesus as I possibly can be. And here's what I want to tell you about that. When you and I are as close to Jesus as we possibly can be, we don't just get strength to overcome. We get a billion other blessings. That's the amazing thing about God. See, what I don't want to do tonight is say, okay, be close to Jesus or you're just going to stay stuck in your sin. Shame on you. No, I want to say run to God because he's this amazing, beautiful, captivating option in your life. The only one who can do what we so desperately need him to do. And when you and I run to him to be as near as we can because we treasure him and he's amazing, we're going to find strength to overcome. So it's not just that we become overcomers when we're near Jesus. No, we get a billion other great blessings. You know, for example, my wife is an amazing cook, you know. I didn't just marry her for that though, okay. I, I could have. She's really that good, you know. But, but there are a billion other blessings I get by being married to my wife. There's a billion other, other reasons I was drawn to her. And when I'm with her and next to her and close to her in friendship, there's a billion other things I get besides some good chicken parmigiana, okay? And so you have to do that when you speak in Italian, I think. That wasn't even speaking in Italian? Okay. Uh, it was a really bad Italian accent. But uh, there's so many other blessings I get by walking close to my wife. And the same is true with Jesus. When you and I walk with Jesus, he gives us all these blessings. And one of them happens to be that he gives us the strength to overcome our struggles. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you are surprised at the things I'm saying. Maybe you're thinking, I thought church and the message at church was all about making myself a good person. And I thought that if I didn't make myself a good person, then God wouldn't want me. I thought I had to clean myself up and then I could go to him. Now, what I'm saying tonight is that we can approach this amazing God and he does the cleaning. He does the cleansing. He does the work in our lives. And so I want to just motivate you tonight to look at this opportunity to be near Jesus as your best strategy to overcome your sin struggles. And there's several reasons why, and we're going to look at those tonight. But we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4, we see some really amazing verses and Maybe at first you won't understand why I'm bringing up the first several verses, but I think they set the stage for the rest, and I think they really help us 
get some motivation, okay? So we're gonna look and we're gonna kind of build on this and you'll see what I mean. But in Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest, and I wanna stop right there in mid-sentence. Since we have a great high priest, why does he bring up a high priest? Well, here's what the high priest used to do back in the day. The high priest used to take an animal, often a lamb, and he would sacrifice the lamb for the sins of the people, okay? And so, God set this whole system up, and I just want you to see this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is pretty powerful because thousands of years before Jesus would come, there was sin in the world, and the answer to the sin was a sacrifice, was something being killed for that sin. Now, here's the deal. When these high priests made these sacrifices, the sacrifice didn't remove the people's sin. It just simply covered it. It just covered it. Over. It was like a little appeasement, so to speak, right? But I love, this verse doesn't say, therefore, since we have a high priest, it says we have a great high priest. Well, what's that talking about? You see, the great high priest is Jesus. And Jesus came, and just like a lamb was slaughtered, sometimes you hear this, this imagery or this, this way to speak about Jesus, they call him the lamb of God. That's because just like the lambs that were slaughtered to cover the sin of the people, Jesus came to be that for us. He was sacrificed in our place, and he became this lamb, so to speak. And if you've ever noticed, like, we don't do the lamb sacrifices anymore. I'm glad. I probably wouldn't be a pastor if we did. I can't really handle blood too well. And uh, so Jesus came and did away with that. He was the final sacrifice. And so he comes as this great high priest. And the difference between a regular high priest and a great high priest like Jesus is the regular high priest could only cover stuff up while the great high priest removed the sin altogether. Remember when you were a kid and you were in your den or something and you had grape juice, you know you weren't allowed to drink grape juice in the den because there was a nice white carpet in there and you spilled the grape juice on the nice white carpet. I know you all had a white carpet, don't lie. And you spilled it. And so what'd you do when you were a little kid? You thought as long as you covered the stain, you were good. So you went and you got like a napkin or something, right? Or like a towel and you threw it over the stain on the ground and you went back to playing like Nintendo or whatever it was. That's my day. And, uh, and so you do that, right? And next thing you know, mom and dad come home and they look and they go, what's that? And you're like, what's what? You know, and they go over and they lift that thing up. All you did was cover it up. But then you got older. You became a teenager and you spilled the same grape juice on the same rug and you got the rug cleaner. And this time you didn't just cover up the stain. No, you actually got down there and you removed, right? You removed the stain. If you didn't figure that out yet, there you go. Happy birthday. All right. Now here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't just come and, and cover it up. He didn't just stay safe. He didn't, like from heaven, remember the angels are playing the harp and massaging his feet. He didn't just stay there and get somebody to throw, you know, an angel, take this big, nice big uh, blanket and throw it over all the sin of the people and cover it. No, he came for us to be this great high priest that would remove our sin, not just cover it up. Now, why do I bring all that up? Because I think a great high priest like that is someone we can run to and not away from. I think if he was willing to get on a cross for our sin, that's someone that's willing for you and I to run to him when we're struggling. We're gonna add a little. Read the same few first words and then add a little. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, so we know that this isn't just talking about some guy. No, this is God who died and then rose from the the dead and then went through the heavens, right? And then we're gonna add a little more. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. And so what Paul is saying here is, all right, 
we can hold firmly to our faith because we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. So he's tying our ability to stay strong in our faith, even when we're going through temptation and when we're struggling and when we're falling short and life's hard. And he's tying that all back to what? How strong we are, how good we are? No, how great our savior is. You see, Paul's making a case here for us that this is someone we can run to. This is someone strong. This is someone able. This is someone powerful because he beat death in our place. This is someone loving because he came for us. Verse 15, it gets better. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus gets it. He understands what you're going through. He understands your temptation. Why run to Jesus instead of away from him? Because he's walked where you've walked. He gets what you feel. He knows what it is to struggle. Look at the next verse. But we have one, a high priest, Jesus, who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. The word tempted here in the Greek means to entice to improper behavior. We have a savior who knows what it's like to be tempted to do the wrong thing. We have a a savior who knows what it's like to be drawn toward sin. And yet he was without sin. Yet he didn't give in to it. So powerful. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you thought, you know, like I said earlier, Jesus was just up there safe and good. No, here is one that came to feel what you feel. To be able to, you know, in the moment, stand there with you and I say, hey, I get, it. I get what it's like to like be tempted to not forgive. You know what? When they, when they drove nails through my hands, I didn't feel like forgiving. I was drawn to not forgiveness, not forgiveness. I was, I was drawn to unforgiveness. I was drawn to do the wrong thing and yet I overcame. So I get it. There was, I'm sure, times in Jesus' life, though we don't see it in scripture, when he was tempted to lust. There were times in his life he was probably tempted to lie. There were times in his life, he's the son of God. He, he could have, I mean, just one of these priests that got in his face and started punching him and screaming at him and spitting in his face. You think the temptation wasn't there to just, to just deck him, just hit him, just knock him down? Be like, who, do you even know who I am? And so every temptation you and I have felt, he has felt, he gets it. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus and your, your argument against relationship with him is he doesn't get it, he doesn't know me, why would I go to him when he's just all safe and cozy in heaven? No, he came so that he could relate to you. So that when you struggle, you get it, that he gets it. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 17, just a few chapters before. It says this, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Listen to verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Who would you rather have sympathy from? Somebody who knows what you're going through or someone who's never faced it? No, but so Jesus, in moments when you and I are struggling, can put his arm around us, so to speak, and say, I get it. He came, he was made like his brothers. That's you and I, he was made like us. He was made in human form, yet fully God to experience what you and I experience. So Paul's been just trying to say, hey, run to him, don't run away from him. You can trust him. And then look at verse 16, he tells us what to do. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. 
Let's approach. Let's not run away. Let's approach. Let's not avoid. Maybe some of you would say that. I'm not really running away from God, but I'm just kind of sort of avoiding him. I'm avoiding the hard talk. Maybe I'm even still praying. Maybe I'm even still opening up my Bible. Maybe I'm still coming to church, but I'm avoiding the honest conversation about that place in my life where I know I'm doing what he doesn't want me to do. And here Paul's just saying, hey, let's approach God with great confidence. Put himself on a cross for us. He came to walk through all the temptations we've walked through and yet was without sin so that he could just simply say, I get it. I know what you feel. So let's approach him with confidence. And and we can do that because he understands the temptation. But this really hit me just this past week as I was studying for this. I think another huge reason we should run to Jesus when we're struggling with sin is because he knows how to overcome it. I got to be honest, I hadn't really thought all that much about that in my life before. I mean, I knew God could give me strength I don't have, but I hadn't thought a ton about the idea that Jesus knows how to overcome lust because he did it. Jesus knows how to overcome greed or selfishness or gossip or unforgiveness because he lived it. He understands what it's like. He's got the credentials to say, hey, I was tempted and I made it through it. So let me teach you and train you and show you and enable you how to do it just like I did. That's the God on the other side of a prayer. That's the God on the other side of you opening up your Bible and hearing from him. That's the one who wants to help you. That's the one who wants to walk through temptation with you. Let's think about it for a second. If you wanted to become a great basketball player, would you go to me or Michael Jordan, right? I mean, come on. We'd all go to Michael Jordan. Uh, Number one, because he's an amazing basketball player. Number two, he was in Space Jam, which is pretty darn cool, okay? But ultimately, you would go to him. Why? Because he's got the credentials. He's done it. He's shown you. He has what it takes. And so you'd go to him to learn and to grow and to watch and to, to just say, all right, now help me become like you. Help me do what you've already done. I'm telling you, Jesus has the stats when it comes to overcoming, when it comes to doing the right thing. So, so yeah, you're, you're going to Jesus who's someone who has incredible power that you don't have, but you're also going to someone who's lived and overcome the same temptations that you and I are tempted with daily. I also love that in the beginning of verse 16, it's called a throne of grace and not a throne of judgment. It's called a throne of grace and not a throne of fear. It's called a throne of grace and not a throne lower. We picture that scene from the Wizard of Oz where the cowardly lion ends up diving out the window because he's just scared to death. No, see, this is a throne we can boldly approach. We can draw near to our Savior. And now we got to see what we get when we go there. Look, when we go to that throne where Jesus is sitting, it says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This word mercy in the Greek means kindness or concern expressed for someone in need. Sounds like something I need. Grace in the Greek, favor or help. Just help. I need help from God. God is saying, okay, you'll find that. When you approach my throne, obviously we're not literally approaching a a physical throne, but when you and I open a conversation up with him in prayer, when we open up God's word, when we're here at church, we're growing. We're near him. We're in a community group. We're growing. We're near him. And when we're in those environments, we're able to find mercy 
and grace that we so badly need. Don't you just need mercy from God? I mean, doesn't that sound something great? Kindness and concern expressed for someone in need. Kindness from God himself. That's what's offered to you and I when we go to the feet of Jesus. Grace, favor, and help. That's what you and I are offered when we spend time near our amazing God. Some of you guys, this will be the only thing you ever remember me saying because I bring it up so often, but I don't care. One day you'll be like, man, you'll be telling your grandkids, there's this bald dude, and he always used to tell us about this two-sided coin of grace. You guys remember this? You see, we have the two-sided coin of grace. If you have a coin out, you can see there's the head, the head side, the tail side. Well, there, I, I promise you, somewhere up in heaven, there's a coin called grace. Probably not. I'm making that up, and it's probably heresy. But anyway, um, there's this coin of grace, right? And you know what? On the one side of the coin of grace, you have the enabling grace of God. The enabling grace. What that means is when I go to you, God, and I'm struggling and I, I need grace to do the right thing, he's going to enable me to do the right thing. See, I never knew that was grace. When I was younger, I always used to think grace was just when you screwed up and God said, hey, I'm going to give you grace and forgiveness now. But no, see, there's this other side of the coin of grace and it's to enable us to do the right thing in the first place. So when we are near our Savior, he's enabling us to do the right thing. And then when we fall short, we need to be running to him just as quickly, because the other side of that coin of grace is his incredible forgiveness. It's his forgiveness in that time of brokenness and sorrow, and he lovingly draws us back to himself in those times. And so I want to really simply boil everything down to one phrase for you, and then I want to just inspire you a little and talk practically a little bit, and then we're going to end in a really different way tonight. But the thing I want you guys to walk out of here with, the thing that I think is so true and we miss it all the time is that the closer you are to Jesus, the more you'll overcome. That's just the truth. The closer you and I are to Jesus, the more we will overcome. The closer we are to the overcomer, the more we'll overcome. The closer we are to the throne of mercy and grace, the more mercy and grace we will have to enable us to overcome. Let me just say it as clear as I can. The closer you are to Jesus, the more sexual temptation you will overcome. The closer you are to Jesus, the more gossip you will overcome. The closer you are to Jesus, the more insecurity and fear you'll overcome. The closer you are to Jesus, the more pride you'll overcome. The more doubt you'll overcome. The more unforgiveness you'll overcome. When you're near him, you're learning from the one who overcame, but you're also receiving grace and mercy that you just don't have inside you, that I just don't have inside me. And so we need to be near this throne of grace. How do we get near this throne of grace? It's when we just keep those conversations with God open. It's when we seek him in prayer. And please don't take these things I'm bringing up tonight as new weights to put on your shoulder or new things to put on your to-do list. No, see, you and I are invited to be near our Savior. One month from now, we're going to do a message in this new series called This Year. And we're going to talk all about why being close to Jesus is our greatest pleasure. Why being right near Jesus' side is exactly where we find our greatest satisfaction in life. So when I tell you, you know what, let's be near our Savior I'm not telling you to do something that you're going to hate, that you're going to wish you didn't do. I'm telling you to do something that's going to lead you to overcoming, but it's going to lead you to those billion other things that God wants to bless you with and give you as you look to him. 
So opening up conversations in prayer and seeking him and saying, God, let's have that real conversation about my anger. Let's have that real conversation about my temper, God. Let's have that real conversation about my lust or my addiction. God, let's talk. I need help. I need mercy. I need mercy from one that's overcome and that can give me the power to overcome. So let's talk. It's also opening up this book. It's opening up the word of God and it's learning more about who God is and who he says you are. How would you ever know you have the identity of an overcomer if we're never opening up this book? It's opening up this book and finding more and more the amazing love of God and seeing him overcome temptation. And as we do that, we're going to grow and we'll find strength and we'll find life there. It's being here tonight. It's worshiping together. It's keeping the conversation alive, which we talk about so much here, staying plugged in to God. So you're at work and those certain people come over and say, hey, we're going here again. And you know, every time you go there, you get yourself in trouble. So, all right, it's not time to run from God in that moment. It's time to open up the conversation and keep that thing going. God, man, these, these guys just came. You know, I'm tempted to go. God, help me. I don't want to go there again. I always hate what I do when I leave there. God, help me. That person walks by you, At church, that person walks by you at home and the anger and the unforgiveness begins to well up again. God, help me. Keep the conversation open. God, help me. All right, maybe I'm not like down on my knees in my bedroom seeking you, you know, like I sometimes think I need to, but but man, here I am just whispering up a prayer. That's the amazing thing about the throne of grace. It's always a prayer away. It's a moment away, a second away. And the closer you and I are to Jesus, the more we'll overcome. Some of you guys know John Contest. He's spoken here a few times. And I'll never forget years ago, him saying that he was sitting in on a counseling session and he was there with a pastor who was counseling a husband and wife. And the husband and wife were going at it back and forth, back and forth. Why each one, you know, has messed up the whole world and their marriage and everything's a wreck and going back and forth. And, and they're both, you know, the pastor and Mr. Contest are both just sitting there quietly. And eventually... They stop and the pastor says to the husband, how's your relationship with God? He says, not that great. He says to the wife, how's your relationship with God? She says, not that good at all. He says, well, that's where you start. That's where you start. You focus on your relationship with God. Get near to Jesus and watch what will happen. Now, obviously there's times when we need counseling and we need people to help us through stuff and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But what this pastor was saying is the closer you are to Jesus, the more you'll overcome. The closer you are to Jesus, the more within this marriage that's causing hell on earth, you will overcome. That's the place to start. So I don't know where you are tonight, but I know there are certainly things in my life that I need to continue to stay close to Jesus or I'm in trouble. I gotta stay by his side or I'm in trouble because the truth is, as long as I run, as long as I walk away, be it fear, be it thinking he doesn't know how to help me, be it thinking I don't deserve to be helped or be it I just think I'm enjoying my sin so much. We all know that dries up eventually, right? I gotta stay by his side because the closer I am to Jesus, the more I overcome and the same is true for you. So will you pursue your savior? Will you chase after this one through prayer, through worship, through his word, through friendship with Christians, through community, community groups, through church, through keeping the conversation open? Will you take this amazing invitation that God gives us to be near him? And like my wife and I, me being near her is not just about the one great meal she can cook. It's all these other blessings. You being near Jesus is not just about overcoming. It's about all the billion other blessings he wants to give you. 
as well. The closer you are to Jesus, the more you'll overcome. We're going to close a little differently, like I said tonight. And I'm going to actually ask the band if they would come up now. And what we're going to do is rather than me praying right here and now to close the service, we're going to have these guys play a song. And the song goes so well with the verses we just used and many of the themes we just talked about. But in the midst of the song, you're going to hear the stories of some people sitting in the seats around you and some that were here in our service this morning. And you're going to hear the stories of how they overcame, how God worked in their specific life and their specific struggles. And I really appreciate the people who had the guts to share because they shared some deep stuff. They shared some some places in them that were real broken at a certain time in their life, but that God has helped them now overcome. And so as we sing this song, I want you to think about the imagery because in this song, it brings up the lamb. It brings up the lamb who shed his blood for you and I. And remember that there was a sacrifice made time and time and time again that just covered our sin. But then Jesus, the great high priest, came as the final sacrifice to remove our sin. And in this song, there's, there's really two aspects to overcoming that we see here. One is what Jesus did for us. It's the death of, of Jesus and the blood that he shed for us as the lamb. And the second is the word of our testimony. And you're going to hear testimonies tonight of people who I guarantee have struggled with the same things you're struggling with tonight. And I think tonight you're going to find hope that God can help you overcome. So would you stand with us and sing? Savior, Savior, worthy of 
was abandoned and heartbroken, but God helped me overcome. I was depressed and I let it become a part of me, but God helped me overcome. I used to self-medicate and let anger and lust take a hold of me, but God helped me overcome. I used to struggle with my self-image and my self-worth, which led me to self-injury and to hurt myself physically. I used to let pain rule my life, but God helped me overcome. I was angry and unforgiving, but God helped me overcome. I was incredibly selfish and self-centered. I was lost and addicted to drugs. I was angry and unwilling to forgive. I was hopelessly lost in unbelief. I struggled with doubt and depression, but God helped me overcome. But God helped me overcome. But God helped me overcome. I used to be self-righteous. Lack of love and depression consumed my life. I was lustful. I struggled with an eating disorder and insecurity, but God helped me overcome. But God helped me overcome. But God helped me overcome. I struggled with fear and anxiety, but God helped me overcome. I used to run away from God and thought I could never accept His love. I was lost and insecure, but God has helped me overcome. I was stuck in cycles of fear and worry, but God helped me overcome. 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 But God helped me just lift before you everyone in this room tonight God and we just bring to you those things in our lives that we need such desperate help with God things that we know will never overcome ourselves God and we thank you that your word is full of different amazing tools we can use and strategies to help us overcome we just pray tonight that God you would help us just to be near to Jesus that that would be our main strategy to overcoming those struggles in us, God, that we would find that amazing mercy and grace that you give and that we would learn from the one who has overcome. And so we thank you so much, God, for your deep love for us tonight. Thank you that there's not one person in this room that needs to run from you, but that every single one of us needs to run to you. And so draw us close. If you're a Christian, would you just lift that thing to God? that you need strength to overcome. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love to lead you in a prayer. If you would like to put your trust in Jesus, you could just pray something silently like this. Jesus, would you be my Savior? Would you forgive me for the sin in my life? Thank you for coming and dying in my place. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that you want to give me. Thank you that you told me to come confidently to you. 